Welcome to the Open Door Church podcast. The following recording is from our midweek prayer and practice service. These services are meant to provide a biblical basis for different spiritual gifts and areas of discipleship, as well as allow attendees a place to practice those gifts. We hope you are strengthened, encouraged, and comforted by this message. Well, here on Wednesday nights, we've begin talking, we've begun talking about spiritual gifts. And our heart behind this time together this evening is to come together to learn about what the Bible and specifically what Jesus says about spiritual gifts. And also, how do we put those into practice? Um, because we understand that there's something that we understand that the spiritual gifts are necessary for the church for the church to be healthy, for us to be mature, for us to grow in the Lord. Um, it's something that we want to embrace. It's something that doctrinally we see as necessary. Um, but we also understand that with it comes a lot of messy situations. With it, uh, there's a lot of baggage that people have carried in from either abuse of spiritual gifts or complete neglect of spiritual gifts. And if we want them to be present in the church and celebrated and be done in a way that is in accordance with Scripture, we simply got to start talking about it. And we've got to make room for them. And we've got to be able to have a safe place for us to explore them and practice them. Because if, uh, if you never attempt to prophesy, how are you going to know if you have the spiritual gift of prophecy or not? If you never attempt to uh, share a word of knowledge... Um, how do, you, how do you know if, if it's there or not? And so we're going to create a space, and that has been our heart, um, to take everything according to Scripture and simply make room for us to hear from God, to share with one another, and have a space where the spiritual gifts are encouraged and practiced. And, and one, of the, one of the reasons, um, and not all the spiritual gifts are like this, but Paul does give instruction, which we're going to eventually talk about, that some of the spiritual gifts aren't for unbelievers, uh, that they can cause, they can cause uh, questions, they can cause doubts, they can cause confusion. Um, but there's also spiritual gifts that are signs for unbelievers as well. But here on a Wednesday night, it's a pretty safe environment where we don't have to worry about someone off the street walking in and being like, whoa, what is this cult all about? Uh, <laughs> where uh, there's trust built amongst us. I think everyone here understands that no one's coming to this place with malicious intent to try to spiritually manipulate or abuse one another. And there's enough of, not enough of us in here where I trust each other. If that were to begin to happen, it would be put to an end fairly quickly. Um, and we're just going to build a platform for us to hear from God, to practice the gifts, and go forward in that light. Does that make sense? I'm going to continue to share kind of my heart behind this for the next few weeks until I feel like I don't need to share it anymore. But I'm just excited that you guys are here. So last week we talked about prophecy. And I want to be very clear, I shared this in my staff meeting this morning, that I was excited to share about prophecy last week. And I guess it even wound up on our podcast. How long was the teaching last week? Oh, I taught for 20 minutes? Wow. I thought I taught for like five minutes. Um, I apologize, guys. guys. Um, I say that because 20 minutes was definitely not enough time to cover the spiritual topic of the gift of prophecy. 
And everything in my heart wants to do this exhaustive teaching on prophecy and the prophetic. Um, so, you know, we have a firm biblical understanding that we all leave this place all on the same page and know exactly everything there is to know about prophecy. Um, but I just know that's not realistic. And so we're going to continue to talk about prophecy tonight. And uh, we might do this for the next couple of weeks as we kind of explore these spiritual gifts. But I had a few things that I didn't get to last week that I really wanted to highlight this week. Um, and then, we're, again, we're going to pray for one another, and we're going to explore this. I have some direction from the Lord on what it's going to look like tonight. But uh, I talk about prophecy in the sense, and I think I've described prophecy, and I think I described it last week. It's about speaking forth the word and the will of the Lord with the assurance that it's going to happen. That's Pastor Nate's definition that he's been running with for a number of years now. Um, but as I was kind of trying to clarify that and write some new words on paper, um, I talk about the, the gift of prophecy specifically being when a believer has the supernatural ability to discern, to reveal, and proclaim the truth of God's word. Does that make sense? And so it's when a believer has the supernatural ability to discern, to reveal, and proclaim the truth of God's word, and it's spoken through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit. Sarah, I'll make questions for later. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I want to I get through this, and I actually have Q&A built into this. Is that okay, Stan? Well, say what you're going to say now. Now it's awkward. No, I want to know what your question is. Maybe it's prophetic. Well, if you would just hold on, I'm going to answer your questions. Okay. <laughs> we're just on the same wavelength, so we're going to get there. But before we get there, Stan just wants to take the class too far ahead. We're, just buckle up. We're good. I love you, Stan. I'm so glad you're here. Um, Revelation 19.10. If you guys want to turn there, you should have this highlighted in your Bible already. If not, do it again. I want you to understand the context of where this first comes from. The book of Revelation is a wildly prophetic book. If you're not familiar with it, kind of about the end of the world, about Jesus' second coming and our reigning with Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb, the end of all things. It's a Jewish apoc uh, apocalyptic literature, and it is ripe full of uh, right. It's full of prophecy. You guys got me there. Um, but at the end of the, at the end of kind of the book here, towards the very end, an angel is describing the marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelation 19, kind of coming towards the end of this prophetic vision that John is having of all of these things. And it says here that John falls on his feet to worship him. And this is being an angel. This isn't Jesus, but it's this angel at the end that has just declared a bunch of crazy awesome stuff. But he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. And so he pauses there and says, worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when we're talking about prophecy, we hear and we understand that it is directly related and connected to the testimony of Jesus. And I, I think a simple way to think about this is... Um, Testimony or the prophecy has to 100% of the time bring glory to Jesus Christ. 
if your prophetic word or if you're receiving a prophetic word or you're involved in some kind of prophetic act and it is not pointing to Jesus Christ, I would call it false prophecy. And if it doesn't generate and it doesn't, if it doesn't bring us to a place of worshiping God, worshiping Jesus here is what, what we'll see, um, then it's not genuine prophecy. Does that make sense? I, I say that cautiously because I don't want to bring confusion here, but Jesus is the substance of all true prophecy. He is the source, and it will always point back to him as well. Um, and so because of that, all genuine prophecy is going to culminate in the exaltation of Jesus, not in the exaltation of man. I know that there are charlatans out there that will sell you a prophetic word for nine ninety nine, um, or something like that. <laughs> or if you sign up for the Christian Plus 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 package, you might get three prophetic words a day or something like that. Um, and oftentimes, I've seen these people on TV. I've seen these ministries where the the gift of prophecy that is being utilized brings more glory to the prophet, if you will, than it does to Jesus Christ. And I believe that a, a genuine spirit of prophecy is going to always be accompanied by a genuine spirit of humility. And we'll talk about that a little bit um, here in a second. But I want to say that because uh, all true prophecy bears witness about Jesus, um, and it causes us to worship him alone. I already said that. Um, and so I wrote down this because Jesus, we understand, is the living word of God, right? Um, no prophecy comes to us except through Jesus. And that's why we see the connection there between Jesus being the word and us speaking forth what God has said. And so when we're speaking forth prophecy, um, we always have to match it with what the word of God has already spoken. It can never contradict the written word of God because we understand Jesus will never contradict the written word of God. Now, that doesn't mean every time you have a prophetic word, it's going to be verbatim from Scripture. Um, but it does mean Scripture will always support it and never contradict it. Does that make sense? And that's why it's important for us to be people of the word because the more that we're people of the word, the easier it is for us to recognize his voice because if we recognize what he's already spoken, it's easier to recognize when he speaks. Got that? Cool. I'm trying to give you the Spark Notes version here. And so um, I was thinking of all this um, and really wanting to, to think of a practical way to explain some of these things. Uh, it, uh, practically explain the, the nature of a prophetic word and this kind of language that we're looking. And if you guys know me, I've all, I always have this desire to bring it forth from Scripture. And so uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 11. Because this was the, the, it's not the only place, but it is the first place my mind went to when I started thinking about the gift of prophecy um, being demonstrated in the New Testament. And so we're going to look at a guy named Agabus. Now, Agabus was unique because he is labeled as a prophet. And so I do believe that there is a distinction, which I don't have time to get into tonight, between a prophet and the spiritual gift of prophecy. And that could be a little confusing because we understand that the role of the prophet is something that God calls 
um, and is actually given as a gift for the edification of the church. Um, but I want, you to, I want you to know this. You don't need to be a self-described or even a God-appointed prophet to operate in the gift of prophecy. But if, you, if, if, you, if, if God has anointed you with a prophetic voice, um, I don't want to, I don't want to, I want to be clear that you're going to be operating in the spiritual gift of prophecy as well. There's a, there's a lot of nuance to that that we'll kind of tackle as the weeks go on. But uh, I say this because uh, we see this really awesome encounter uh, towards the end of Acts chapter 11. And so uh, we're just going to read verses 27 through 30. This is at the very end of the, of the chapter. It says, during this time, and this is when uh, Barnabas and Saul are being called, and Barnabas goes and looks for Saul. Um, but here in 27 it says, and it's a time of persecution, if you're curious, but of the early church. But it says, during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and threw the spirit. Notice this. His role as a prophet was 100% empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is why we associate it with the gift of prophecy and the gift of the Holy Spirit that he brings. But it says here, predicted. This is where we answer that question that Stan was asking um, because it is, there is an aspect of telling the future, if you will, of predicting things that are going to happen in terms of prophecy. Um, now, I don't want to, I don't want you to get that in your mind that that's all that prophecy is. But there is a genuine aspect of the prophetic that is the foretelling of things to come. And uh, I, I think about this in, in sense of, um, you know, I had a prophetic word for Stephen last week where I talked about this kind of imagery that God gave me of you climbing this mountain and that there were things to come that God were, was preparing you for in terms of leadership, right? And so there's an aspect of maybe something to come that you're preparing somebody for. Um, and the role of the prophetic often encourages somebody for something that has yet to happen. And um, I know for me, the few times I've received a few prophetic words about something that didn't make sense in the moment, but all of a sudden, you know, uh, a year down the road, man, it made sense. We were here on a Wednesday night. Um, we had a gentleman that came in who operated in the gift of prophecy, and his, his methods were a little different. We were like, this guy's a little weird, and you'll notice this about the prophetic. Sometimes it is a little weird, and the demeanor can be a little weird, but this guy was actually, he was like prophesying through the alphabet, A, B, C, and D. And my cynical, what? Bob? I really think his name was Bob. I don't know his last name. I'd, I'd have to call Justin. I, I don't know, but, uh, you know, he was here. We had this interesting connection with him, and honestly, my cynical nature just wanted to despise the prophetic words that were coming, which is completely contrary to what we talked about last week and the role of, the role of what God has, has told us to do. And he came to us, and he prophesied that we were going to have a house and that we were going to uh, have kids. This was before Kelly and I were pregnant or trying to get pregnant and he prophesied like it was going to be like in six months time and we're like no it's not happening dude like I, I think I even said that out loud to him um, and lo and behold uh, you know a year later here we are with Phineas and 
Uh, we had just bought a house, and these things, we look back and we're like, wow, that was, that was 100% the Lord. And it brought encouragement to the rest of that prophetic word that he had shared with us. Um, and I think he had, I mean, there were kind of multiple examples where he didn't know anybody in our church. He didn't know anything that was going off, but he was operating genuinely in a prophetic gift that brought a lot of encouragement to a lot of people. And um, it was weird. It, his, his methods were, were weird. He was kind of like a stand-up comedian at the same time, which was really jarring to me. But at the end of the day, the fruit speaks for itself. And so I, I share that just as an example of what a prophetic word can look like. And yes, to answer Stan's question, there is an aspect about it that can foretell something to come, but that's not, that's not the only aspect. So let's, let's look here, though. And so uh, Agabus comes over, and he says, one of them, through the Spirit, predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. And this happened during the reign of Claudius, Scripture tells us. And the disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. And understand here that the prophetic word only holds value. Um, I say this, in that the prophetic word holds value here in these circumstances when it's received. Does that make sense? It was received here in a sense that it actually prompted the people to action. And they did something with a prophetic word. Imagine if they were cynical. Imagine if they were Pastor Nate back there. He was just like, well, I don't know about this. And they didn't act on it. It wouldn't have, uh, it wouldn't have turned out as well as it did. But here we see um, an example of the gift of prophecy. But we, we see this guy again. And interesting enough, we see him uh, in Acts chapter, I think it's 21. Yeah. And here uh, we see something interesting happen. In verse 10, uh, we see the prophet Agabus show up again. He comes down from Judea. And it says, Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, again, it's the Holy Spirit speaking, In this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. And when we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of our Lord Jesus. And when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. After this, we started on our way up to Jerusalem. Um, and you understand uh, Agabus was here and uh, he, was, he was right again. Paul does eventually die. Um, for the sake of the gospel. And so this is one of those interesting examples where this prophetic word was given, um, but it, I, we understand through the rest of church history and through knowing Paul in scripture that Paul was supposed to do this. And we understand this because Jesus had spoken to Paul about the things that he would suffer for his namesake. And so this wasn't new news to Paul. Rather, this served as a prophetic example and encouragement to Paul in a way to prepare him for what he was about to face. And yet again, this is another example of this time, not just a word, but this was a prophetic action that really gave demonstration um, and I believe hopefully brought encouragement to Paul to prepare for the things that he was about to face. 
So the Holy Spirit spoke to Agabus, gave him insight, and asked him to do something here. And now, I want to be clear, maybe Agabus didn't exactly know what this whole binding thing was supposed to be about. And he might have had in his mind that Paul was going to listen to him and somehow it was going to spare Paul's life. But what we see here is the faithfulness of Agabus to present the word as he heard it. And I think this is important because it was never Agabus's role as a believer to hear from the Holy Spirit and try to, try to his role was to share what God had spoken to him, not to try to change the outcome. Does that make sense? And so here we see the faithfulness of Agabus, and this is where it comes interesting with the gift of prophecy. It's important for us to faithfully hear and deliver the message that God would speak to us. Does that make sense? That is, that is what marks uh, appropriate level of listening and revealing um, that I think is just really, really interesting. But I share these things just as an example. Um, because you might be here tonight, and say, well, what, what is a, a prophetic word? What, what about obedience here? I, I think about an example of a, of a minister that I used to follow pretty closely that really act, is active in the prophetic gift. His name is Graham Cook. Um, and uh, this isn't like a just like blatant statement, like everything he says is 100% gold, but I do believe that he is active in the prophetic and God uses him. And he shares this story about how he was praying for a young lady and that God spoke to him to, as he was praying for her, to say that God hates mommies and daddies, which sounds like a really weird thing to say, right? If you heard God tell you that while you're praying for somebody, you would probably have a back and forth dialogue with the Lord. It's like, God, did you really say that? kind of a deal. Well, lo and behold, uh, this, is, this is a great example of a prophetic word where it doesn't always make sense to you, but God might ask you to share it. And your job is not to make sense of what God is sharing. Your job is to remain faithful to the Holy Spirit and speak when he's prompting you to speak. And this is the hardest thing for us to get over sometimes um, because we want it to be logical. We want it to make sense. But sometimes it's in that aspect that God asks us to step out in faith and to minister. Well, Graham Cook hears this voice from the Lord, God hates mommies and daddies. And so he prays for this young girl and says this. And he says, God wants you to know he hates mommies and daddies. And she breaks down and she begins to cry and she gets delivered in a, in a, in a really mighty way, actually moment of deliverance and um, completely changes her life. And it comes to light that when she was a child, she was abused by relatives that would play a game called mommies and daddies. And she suffered all kinds of emotional and, and physical trauma because of that. And it was in that moment that God used that word um, to, to bring forth healing in that moment. And so I want to be clear, too. I keep saying I want to be clear because there's so much to cover when we begin to talk about these topics. And please understand, we're going to talk more about this later. But with that in mind, the prophetic gifts do overlap some. And so sometimes you will get something like a word of knowledge. And I feel like a lot of the times 
the gifts of prophecy and the gifts of words of knowledge kind of come together um, in the same way. And so you're like, I don't even know what a word of knowledge is. Well, we'll talk about that in the future. Um, I want to say next week, but we might still be talking about prophecy next week. So just be patient. I'm just trying to give you guys a brief overview. And I realize it's already been 30 minutes, but I'm going to end with this. The key to prophecy, I want you to, to understand me very clear here. The key to the gift of prophecy is intimacy with God. Because you will never be able to speak forth what God is actually speaking if you're not hearing him closely for yourself. The best that you'll be able to do is regurgitate feelings that may or may not be from God <laughs> um, just because you're empathetic or something like that. Or you'll just at best make things up. And so the reason why I say this is um, the direction that I felt like the Lord asked us to go tonight was to... Um, Simply ask God to speak to us and bring us closer to him. Um, that, is, that is really what I want to kind of focus into tonight. Um, not even necessarily prophesying for one another. If you ever have a prophetic word for someone, uh, I want to encourage you, share that with them. Um, please operate on that. This is, there is freedom here to do that. Um, but I wanted to end with this passage of scripture, and it's Psalm 25, 14. And it's a passage of scripture that has kind of really settled in my heart over, the num over a number of years. I probably have preached on this passage of scripture more than any other passage of scripture repeatedly year after year after year. And ironically, I think I haven't done it in like two years, um, but I've definitely brought it up. But it's Psalm 25, 14. And it says that friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who fear him. With him alone... He shares the secrets of his promises. Some people, some translations will talk about how he, he will show them his covenant. And uh, essentially here, this, this passage of scripture talks about that there's genuine friendship and relationship to be had with God, but it's reserved for those who feel him, fear him, who hold him in a high regard, who have an appropriate view of who God is. And I believe, uh, obviously, we don't have time tonight to do a full teaching on the fear of the Lord, but having a high regard for who God is positions us in a place of friendship. And it says it's with his friends. It's with those who fear him that he'll share the secrets of his covenant. Meaning that he's going to speak to you. And he will share things with you. I believe this, that the Holy Spirit will speak. If we look at this, Agabus didn't share a prophetic word that was previously recorded in Scripture. Um, right? When he, when he bound up Paul and used his belt, that was operating under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, obviously, it's Scripture now because it, we see that now. But not everything you share will be the Bible. Do you understand this? Because God may prompt you to share something like, hey, God hates mommies and daddies. Now, this is where it, it, gets, it has the potential to get off track and get weird and get all kinds of convoluted and messed up. And this is where people have bad experiences with the spiritual gifts is because we permit people 
to operate in these spiritual gifts and we feel like there's permission to do so when it's not first rooted and grounded in relationship with God. Because somehow we like to operate and utilize spiritual gifts as a sign of our maturity where a sign of our maturity needs to be rooted in how close are we to Jesus. And so that's why I share this, this verse out of Psalms is that friendship with the Lord is reserved for them, those who fear him. If we want to genuinely practice the gift of prophecy, we genuinely have to be close to Jesus. And we genuinely have to be close to his heart. We genuinely have to hear from him. And the, the more time we spend with him, the more he'll share. I know that's fairly simple, but it's something that I want you to know. There's no shortcuts in this. When we think about the gift of prophecy, I believe he wants to share it with believers. I believe he wants to give it to us. That's why scripture tells us to eagerly desire it. But at the same time, um, I don't want you to look at a spiritual gift, such as the gift of prophecy, as a substitute from just being close to God and hearing him. Thank you for listening to the Open Door Church podcast. If you want to find more teaching and resources, check us out at opendoorpagosa.com.